0: Hello and welcome to the Poetry Exchange. I'm Michael Schaefer,
1: And I'm Fiona Bennett.
0: Fee, uh, we would normally begin our episodes by a little discussion about how how each of us are. Today, I'm going to suggest that we get straight to it because it's a very, very special episode for us.
1: It is indeed. And we usually do a whole teasing thing about who the guest is. But seeing as we told everybody last time and there's no point in delaying matters, uh, (laughs) it is an absolute honor and a joy to be welcoming you into this episode where our guest is Krista Tippett. Krista is a Peabody award-winning broadcaster, a New York Times bestselling author, and was awarded the National Humanities Medal by Barack Obama in 2014. She founded and is CEO and host of the internationally acclaimed nonprofit media and public life initiative, On Being. For those of you that don't know it, On Being is a public radio show, a podcast and a broad programme of activity that offers tools for the art of living with social healing at the heart of all the work. It started on two public radio stations, is now heard on over 400 and over 300 million people have downloaded and listened to these powerful conversations that delve into the big questions of our time. What does it mean to be human how do we want to live and who will we be to each other krista's most recent book explores many of these questions becoming wise an inquiry into the mystery and art of living on being has been named a best podcast by the new york times the guardian and the wall street journal among others so what phenomenal company we were in uh, to have this conversation and what a joy it is to be able to bring it to you, our listeners.
0: Thanks Fee. Uh, uh, You'll hear uh, in the conversation (laughs) how excited uh, both of us are to, uh, to be virtually meeting Krista but she absolutely did not disappoint. She was just just so fantastic to talk to and, and, uh, and really open and as you'd expect incredibly articulate and uh, uh, yeah it's just just a really really lovely experience I think for both of us wasn't it
1: indeed it absolutely was and the echoes have been with us ever since so you'll be hearing myself and Michael talking about Good Lord the Light by Christian Wyman the poem that's been a friend to Krista.
0: Krista, I must just say before we go any further that your podcast, the On Being podcast, was actually one of the very first podcasts that I discovered in, you know, in that kind of first wave of podcast Mm -hmm. making. It was your one. Do you know Tara Brack? I have a feeling you do. Yes, yes, yes. She's been on your your podcast, in fact. No,
2: she hasn't, but Ah. she's on the list, you know, there's a long long list. And so then
0: when Fiona and I uh, began talking to people about poems that have been friends to them Uh, we weren't recording them at all we were just meeting people and having these very rich conversations and we were going well look it's brilliant but you know how can we share it and i was like well i've been discovering podcasts fiona (laughs) there's this amazing one called on being It's
2: it's the perfect platform yeah
0: it is it's perfect yeah yeah so you were an inspiration to us
2: yeah Oh, thank you. I'm just really interested about
1: kind of the beginning of On Being and this incredible... Did it all kind
2: of come at once, a vision for it all, and it began? <laughs> or has it been an organic sort of thing? Well, I don't know. There was this time, it and was, it, was, it was the last century, which is such an interesting thing to say. <laughs> um, although at this point, 2019 feels like the last century as well. Um, I had this longing for a certain kind of conversation about, you know, the heart of us, right? This whole spiritual, religious, ethical, um, the morally imaginative part of us that, that sometimes finds expression in religion, but is there as part of the human birthright. And I couldn't find anybody asking those kinds of questions and delving into those kinds of things, even though I feel like they get at what, so many of us are you know, would most like to be talking about at any given time if, if we had the right container for that. And I carried that idea around for several years. You know, I'd been a journalist, I'd 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 actually gone to divinity school because I was in pursuit of these questions. Um and there was a moment where I said, you know, or somebody said to me, an elder said to me, You need to just you need to act on this She said, if you don't do it, somebody else will. So the idea started, but honestly it was years of Mm. Uh, well, a lot of a lot of fighting, a lot of a lot of sharp elbows to try to get people to see the idea. Um, you know, this was before podcasting, so in order to have your voice out on the audio waves, you had to be working with um, radio, and there were all kinds of gatekeepers. And so, yeah, it was years between the inception of the idea and the the actual creation, and then there was the growing the thing as a radio show, which is a very different kind of enterprise. Now it's been almost 20 years, which is pretty amazing to me. Incredible.
0: I was looking on the on your website uh, in, in preparation for, for talking to you, and I'd not seen this before, the six grounding virtues that yeah. you have. And the, the first of those is words that matter. And mm. I thought, oh gosh, that's fantastic. And it does feel that poetry uh, is this, uh, it's kind of like a vein that runs through All of what On Being does, actually, but certainly with that idea that words, you know, words that matter.
2: Yes, and a care with words. And Mm. um, you're right. It you can right now. We you can say that poetry runs all the way through what we do. But that was something that organically emerged, right? It's not something I could have. We I I would never have foreseen this or known it or been able to have the conversation with you about it. It wasn't planned but it's kind of in the adventure of delving into this part of what it means to be alive, um, poetry emerged. And now it's just everywhere. And, you know, everything I see and and everything we do. And, yeah, and in very um, troubling and and dangerous and damaging ways, We, we are actually societally rediscovering how words can be weapons, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're discovering how a single word can can um, yeah. can be so damaging, and uh, we're seeing the terrible effects of um, using words recklessly. So, you know, something I think that I, again, looking back at things I couldn't have seen before, but see in hindsight, you know, that the truth is also that across time and cultures. When there is fracture, and when when official language and the tr- the, f- the forms of words that we that we kind of instinctively rely on start to fail us, poetry always emerges. And I actually had this formative experience early in my life, which was being in divided Berlin in the nineteen eighties, <laughs> and in East. Berlin, not in West Berlin. So it's so, you know one city, same people, same history until the blink of the cosmic eye, same culture, same language in East Berlin, where people were living. You know, we called it the Cold War. I mean, it was it was an extreme condition of life for the people on the other side of that wall, mm. and of course, official language was it was all propaganda. It was all betrayal, and there and there was no there was no truth. Um, So what I saw in that society is how poets in East Berlin, you know, this is my 20s, poets were the coolest. (laughs) They were the heroes, right? Mm -hmm. And at any party in East Berlin, you know, which might just be half legal, um, (laughs) you would wait for the poets to come. They were like rock stars. Mm. And because they had this form for speaking truth... Mm. That could also be distinctively uh, powerful and and subversive without being overtly political. And now I see the same phenomenon. You know, very different kinds of voices and dynamics, but the same way poetry rises.
1: Mm.
0: Now, uh, Krista, we should move from the general to the specific. And you've, um, you've sent us a poem. You sent it across last night. I wondered if you would read it out loud for us.
2: Mm-hmm. I just want to say, you know, you extended this invitation um, a couple months ago. And I've had a lot of poems in my life. I have a lot of <laughs> poets in my life who I've been in conversation with. But when I really, you, you asked me to, for a poem that's been a companion and at different times. I mean, this, this poem is hard, right? It's hard. Mm-hmm. And I had to think about, I, I don't know, I felt compelled not to think about a poem that's been with me for 20 years, but a poem that's been with me in the last 12 months. So, um, so this is it. It's by Christian Wyman in his book, Survival is a Style. And the title of it is, Good Lord, the Light. Good morning, misery. Goodbye, belief. Good Lord, the light cutting across the lake, so long gone to ice. There is an under, always, through which things still move, breathe, and have their being. Quick coals and crimsons, no one needs see to see Good night knowledge, goodbye beyond. Good God, the winter one must wander, one's own soul to be. Mm. Beautiful.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Mm. Oh, yeah. It's certainly, immediately as you've offered it, there's so much space opening up in this mm-hmm. uh Inside me, I actually felt it happening physically as you were reading it, um, which is interesting. So uh, yeah, just say a little bit more about that instinct to choose a companion that's been there in the
2: last 12 months and then yeah. what the company is that you've been keeping. You know, I kept, I kept thinking, I, I was a little surprised that I chose this, honestly, because <laughs> um, it's what not what I would have chosen a year ago. Um, I kept thinking uh, as I was as, as I was looking forward to the conversation about it of this of something John O'Donohue said to me when I interviewed him just before mm. he died years ago, and he was of course the Irish poet and theologian and philosopher, and um, he said he's talking about beauty, and he said beauty is not all loveliness, and to me this poem is a beauty that is not all loveliness, but it's true. Mm. Um, And somehow the beauty of the language, the economy and the eloquence of the language becomes a fitting container Mm. um, for what has been so hard and existential. And so Christian Wyman is a wonderful poet. He released this book called Survival is a Style in February, which means he'd written it. Way before the pandemic, but even the title "Survival really? is a Style" <laughs> when I first picked this up in early in the year, I was—I it just was—was was the title for that moment. You know, of course, we've now been through a year of survival, and to, for me, it feels very different. At that point, it was um, there was so much unknown about it, and all the incredible exhaustion of it hadn't settled yet. But, I mean, you know, good morning misery, goodbye belief, um, good night knowledge, goodbye beyond. This feeling that we've all had, I think, whatever our circumstances, that we don't know what's going to happen from one day to the next. And you know what? That was always true. (laughs) It was always true.
0: We had the illusion of something else. We 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 had the
2: illusion, uh, but we had a clarity suddenly all at once. That that wasn't true, and we were actually feeling that reality in our body.
0: I've just had a whole other insight into, <laughs> with you just saying that, into uh, uh, the meaning of good Lord, the light. You know, the light <laughs> of, unders- of that understanding, in a yes. way. Yes, Uh, the the reveal of, you know, the wizard pulling back the curtain. (laughs) Uh, Mm. Actually, it's always been like this. We were just collectively, uh, (laughs) uh, had this collective uh, illusion that we all bought into that it was otherwise.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and that middle, the middle um, part, you know, there is an under always. I mean, he's just given the image of a lake turned to ice, but there is an under always through which things still move, breathe, and have their being we were also all pushed pushed to that under, right? Um, that was always there, uh, and we had we had certain kinds of distractions and, as you say, illusions uh, that could keep us on the surface, and they weren't available anymore.
0: Very interested in that image, um, quick coals and crimsons, which just is so fantastic in the mouth, isn't it? Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. what, what is that image for you?
2: I don't know. You know, that's, that's, I think that's a wonderful thing about poetry too,
0: mm.
2: is that it presents images that are wonderful, and yet I have no idea what it means. And somehow it is okay within the context of a poem in, in ways that we don't allow it to be okay. <laughs> in other places where we think things through or argue things or talk them through, we don't allow it to be to be okay to have this line and say, you know, there that is. I love that. I have no idea what it means.
0: Fiona's been teaching me to be more comfortable with, the, with that ambiguity and with the not knowing. <laughs> yeah. those images, and what yeah. is that?
2: I mean, that's such a gift mm-hmm. to have a form that gives us a comfort with ambiguity. I don't know. For me, I guess... I've, I've spoken to so many poets across the years about you know what is the truth of a poem and there's a mystery to that right and it's not necessarily a factual truth and and I also think that there can be a truth that's in it for me or maybe mm. even me in March 2020 mm. that is different from anybody else reading it or me reading it in March 2021 I think for me it was about that yeah like the ice on the top but the that hot aliveness, right? Yes. That's it's in us, um, and things that can burn.
0: And I guess with the double thing of burning, you know, a, 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 mm-hmm. a burning passion of something, you know, there's a really positive sense yes. of burning, and there's also a sort of a destructive sense of burning, isn't there? Both yes. things are held within that. And the same as crimsons, so the sort of you know that can be blood that conjures up, and you know, yes, yeah.
2: yeah it's actually fun to talk this through with you because these are all things I hadn't thought of also. Mm.
1: Yeah, I love the getting to the heat underneath as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, and and the movement that's in that as well. Yes. The quick coals and crimsons. And then there's even more ambiguity. No one needs see to see.
2: Yeah, I love that. And to me what that evoked is actually the experience we have of Others, I mean, he's talking about again, I mean, the images, the lake and the ice, but it's also true of all of us that we have our surfaces Mm. and we have our ways of presenting ourselves and we have our ways of coping that are all that also flow into how we present ourselves, right? Mm. And ways of you know walking around with whatever our wounds are without that showing on the surface all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, but how how these depths of us still, oh, you know, they always manifest, right? They manifest in our relationships or in our work or in how we deal with the checkout person at the supermarket, yes. right? And so there's something about that, all that no one needs to see to see is so profound. Mm. Mm.
1: We'll be back with Krista and the conversation shortly. We've got lots of great episodes lined up and coming your way very soon. And also we're really excited to be putting together another live event of online readings of poetry with some fabulous readers, which is gonna be happening in October. So to make sure you get those episodes and hear news of that event, please make sure you subscribe.
0: The Poetry Exchange has been talking to people about poems as friends for six or seven years now, and we've always offered the podcast for free. Any support you can make would really make a difference. If you can make a donation, you can do so at our website, thepoetryexchange.co.uk. Goodbye beyond. Yeah. When I first read that, it, it, I, I sort of thought of the, the hereafter, but I don't know, is, it, is that what it is for you?
2: I think for me, reading this um, in 2020, it was goodbye having any or again, having any illusion that I know what is going to happen tomorrow. I mean, just the beyond of this hour, mm. this day. There's a song that has been with me all year. It's by an artist I'd never heard of uh, called Mika, M-I-K-A.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: And I actually heard it on a television show. (laughs) And I immediately downloaded it and I played it endlessly for a few months. And the Mm -hmm. title of the song is Goodbye to the World You Thought You Lived In. Ah. And that's how I have felt all year and I guess you know one of the things that's on my mind as I think about us emerging now is um the temptation to go back to to what what we lost, um, much of which is for you know again, for those of us who are fortunate, very pleasant and easy and
0: distracting
2: mm. in all the best ways. Um, how do we hang on to that world we thought we lived in what 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 we found ourselves called to to remake to question through this experience uh, you know even the matter of if we say these things are essential and these jobs are essential do we value them right how do we then how do we then honor that that re- that realization with the way we structure things our life so goodbye to the world you thought you lived in Boy, there's a you know there's a loss in there. There's a lot of loss, and then there's also uh, a possibility of growth yeah. in the in the longer term. Mm. And so, yeah, to me, goodbye beyond like somehow evokes all of that.
0: Yeah, that's brilliant actually, and that that sense of of needing to let go of things, and yeah. then you know it, it goes on. Good God, the winter one must wander one's own soul. Oh, yeah to be you know that sense of 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 navigating something which is what i'm getting from it anyway um, <laughs> navigating <laughs> yes. this this kind of quite treacherous um landscape or something uh in order to discover something else uh you know uh, one must wonder one's own soul to be and just that that those last two syllables of the poem are just extraordinary yes you know.
2: yes yes I did an interview right at the turn of the year with Catherine May on her book called "Wintering." Mm-hmm. It's about winter as a season of the natural world, but also how you know winter in the natural world is is a time of death, which lays the ground for life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was also about wintering as a psychic experience that actually we all have. Many times in the course of a life, you know, we go under. We have loss, we have death, we things freeze over. Um, And how we resist that kind of cyclical nature of our being and becoming, you know, in our culture, which is always about plowing ahead and accomplishing and, Mm. you know, the upward movement. (laughs) And if you're, if you're exhausted or if, you know, like failure is not really allowed and saying I can't do this is not allowed and stopping isn't allowed. And so somehow, so I think that I, I think I'll also read this now with all of those, you know, having thought about winter and our pandemic winter, which actually you could certainly say was much longer than the months of November, December, January, right? <laughs> um, I mean, this has been a year of civilizational wintering in a way. And so... But, and yet, you know, having said that, I think, again, this statement, good God, the winter one must wander, one's own soul to be, that's always true. That's been true in any life, Mm. any human life across time. It can be things that happen to us that are, that take us inside for good reasons. Um, You know, winter is not devastating if if you understand life to be seasonal and cyclical. Um, and yet it is it is often extreme, hard, bitter edges of life. Strangely, I think this is one of the strangest things about us as human beings. That that we, we are taken again and again to extreme edges of life in order to become ourselves. Mm. And you know, one thing I'll say about Christian Wyman, and one reason I felt it made sense to me that he had written a book that spoke to the pandemic world we'd entered, um, that extreme edge of life, is that he lives with a um, a chronic form of cancer. Yes. So he's somebody who, I mean, he's just an incredible person, poet, teacher, you know, father. Um, so he's leading a, a very full life and he, um, at intervals in his life, is again and again in chemotherapy. Mm. Right? So he, he, the nature of his being is that he's forced more overtly more regularly than the rest of us to those edges Mm. and so when we all hit this edge this winter of our civilization he you know he's been there
1: really beautiful the way he uses the word wander.
2: mm-hmm
1: you know, it just takes mm, the edge of that, that difficulty yeah. a little bit, doesn't it? He yeah. does. It, if it was, it's not. Good God, the winter we must strive through right. against the bitter right. wind. You know, right. it's, or a trudge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Trudge would be what you would yeah. expect almost. But he yeah. says, no, you, mm-hmm. you can wander there if you let yourself, or if you have to. You know, if you're forced to. Um,
0: that's lovely, actually, Faye, because there's, there's, it doesn't have a clear direction, you know, when, when you mm-hmm. wander. It's, it's all that right. brilliant kind of aimlessness that leaves you open to discovering things that you otherwise might not. And I think that's great. We were uh, obviously talking, Chris, uh, me and Fiona, before, saying, oh, I wonder what poem... Krista will bring.
2: <laughs> you probably didn't imagine this. <laughs> this wasn't what
0: I imagined. Absolutely no. not. And it sort yeah, of it came absolutely. through and I was like, okay, here we go. Oh, <laughs> mm. good morning, misery. Goodbye. Be- yeah. Just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, of course, having heard you talk about mm. it and, and having spent a bit mm. of time kind of going into it a bit more, it's incredibly... Profound. And I, I think I can uh, get a sense of what part it might play for you, the companion, perhaps, that it, mm-hmm. th- that it is for you. Uh, I just wondered if you could talk a little bit about, kind of in a way, almost practically what that really looks like you know are there particular moments where you go do you know what I must just reconnect with that poem that's what I need right now how how does that play out for you
2: so you know obviously I keep I keep mentioning conversations I've had because I kind of you know I I lead my life conversationally and I think I think things through conversationally so just I'll tell you um the 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 episode we have like just this week is with a A clinical psychologist about what this experience of, um, first of all, the pandemic, uh, this this threat, this invisible threat uh, unleashed in the world, and then the experience of social isolation, what these have worked in our nervous system, Mm -hmm. which is our literal mind-body connection. And, you know, for all the statistics we've seen about how many people have COVID and now the vaccine and, you know, to some extent, like mental health statistics about the cost of lockdown, we haven't talked about what's happening inside us. Mm-hmm. And one of the things she talked about is how uh, we have all these dynamics. You could also think about this as the quick coals and crimsons that, that, mm-hmm. that, uh, that, that Christian Wyman mentions here. There are all these things at any given moment that are automatically, instantaneously below the conscious level happening in our bodies, right? I mean, the idea that when each of us first heard the news of this virus in the world, this old, old cascade of effects inside us, how our bodies are always primed to take care of us and to shield us from threat... Mm. That set in without us doing anything, without us even knowing it. And then when it never, when the threat never went away for a year, you know, this has been in overdrive in all of us. And that's underneath all the actual things that have happened that we've been coping with. So one of the ways you can kind of not override, but... Turn on your conscious, thinking, reflective brain to be a companion to that animal inside you is by naming what's going on. Mm. And, I mean, boy, you know, we've been talking in this conversation about the power of words, right? Mm. So this is another whole way to think about the power of poetry and carefully Mm. chosen words to name the experience. And so I I think, you know, to, to your question a bit, maybe, I think is... I think this is why the song, Say Goodbye to the World You Thought You Lived In, or or just the companionship of this page that says, Good Morning Misery, Goodbye Belief, Goodbye Beyond. Those are hard statements, but they're true. Mm. They validate the experience I'm having.
0: Mm.
2: And, And so even though there's a sadness and a weight to them, they help me, my thinking self, be a companion to that, and kind of connect myself up with reality. Mm, mm. And there's a relief in that, right There's, there, there's a relief even in naming. and th- so this helps me understand all kinds of experience in life of the not the joy in any simple sense of um of putting words to the hardest things that happen, but the joy in terms of relief that we're telling the truth. Mm. And we can work with the truth, and we can walk with the truth.
1: Yeah. Mm. I'm wondering about a physical thing. I, I think because the poem is so landscape oriented and because when I listen to you in conversation with people I always feel within your within your language within your poetry of speaking that landscape is very present Um, Mm. and I just wondered if I don't know where you where you are at the moment how much movement you've been able to have whether you whether you take a walk with a poem whether you're able to have that kind of Connection to the physical natural world.
2: Yeah, I I have not moved much in the last year, and um, so yeah, I've been out. I think like a lot of people in my neighborhood in a way I never was before, mm. and really it's been this journey of discovery. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> um, which it's just you know kind of shameful that I all these there's just things I never noticed um, and that I'm so familiar with now I have an intimacy with the with the literal place and land right around me and the birds and the trees and the wild turkeys um, who I've watched have all kinds of social drama this year which has been really interesting <laughs> um, yeah I, it's interesting that you say that I've never thought about that the sense of place that's always there for me, it's true. I think beneath that, what is critical for me, you know, I've, I've said I'm really not interested in spirituality that isn't embodied. Mm. I think I'm, I'm so, and you know, theology has done this for me, um, but it's also for me been a trajectory of my life of getting out of my head, and into my body, or joining those two things, yeah. and um, it's actually something I really treasure in um, in biblical theology is this insistence that we we are creatures, right? It's not just that everything else is a creature, you know. Even when you know the story of Adam and Eve naming the animal, naming, but we but we are creatures. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, this latest conversation I had about the nervous system is really important. we We are embodied, and um we have this culture, including our culture of religion, which has really been very chin up, you know, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, if you think about the end and and the enlightenment and the enlightenment world, that is the world we all inherited, really kind of demoted the body. Mm. It saw it as messy and problematic and volatile. Um, and there was this pretense, which, you know, maybe it was noble, this, this elevation of reason, um, which is, which is a good thing to elevate, but it's not the fullness of us. And when we've tried to override our bodies and all the quick coals and crimsons that live in us, we just end up having places. It's not that these things don't come out. It's Mm. not that that mess and that drama doesn't come out. It just comes out sideways, right? We create cultures of repression (laughs) and dishonesty and acting out and passive aggression. Um, So I'm just all about kind of the next stage of our growth as a species is going to be rejoining and honoring the physical, the physicality of us with our powers of reason. Um, so for me, like, I think that's, that, Fiona, that's what you, maybe, you know, sometimes that comes out in terms of a sense of place, but that's that's what that really is about for me.
0: The use of the word creatures, talking about that, putting me yeah. in mind of the Mary Oliver thing where she talks about um, mm. you just have to let the soft animal of your body yes. love what it loves.
2: I have carried that line around all mm. year. Yeah. Um, That was a mantra for me in pandemic, right? We just had to find comfort where we could find it. That's it. Mm. And let that be a good.
0: One of the questions that we always ask our, our guests, if this poem were a companion, were a friend to you, what kind of a friend would it be?
2: Yeah, it would be the friend. And the friend who finds me in a stance I'm often in, which is beating myself up or being hard on myself, right? Yeah. So somehow thinking that I have to calm myself, that I that there's some shame in kind of giving in to the difficulty of something, right? Or that that somehow I'm I'm at fault in the fact that it feels so hard that it, maybe it wouldn't feel so hard if I could be navigating it differently. Mm. And the friend, and I mean, I have had this experience in the last week. (laughs) The friend who says to me, you don't need to be carrying that burden on top of all the very real things that are actually going on that are actually hard. Like, let yourself just do that and not add this layer on top of that.
0: That's brilliant. Um, Tara Brack refers to that as the second arrow.
2: Yes, it's actually yeah, that the second arrow actually came up in my conversation about the nervous system too. Oh
0: really It's brilliant. Yeah. I love it I do I find myself yeah. doing it all the time. so exactly. again, the ability to name that mm-hmm. is very, very useful to me, you know mm-hmm and it was only once I'd heard her express that, that you know the first arrow is um, the thing that is difficult. It's the second arrow is me beating myself up about the fact that I'm finding it difficult or I'm not navigating that as well as I think I should be. But being able to kind of name that phenomenon that I'm sure many of us experience is really, yeah. really useful, yeah.
2: Yeah, I think it's the friend who kind of pulls that second arrow out <laughs> and rubs yeah. the wound. And gives you a pat on the shoulder in the pre-socially distanced days, and says, "Just, just let that first arrow be what you're carrying. That's okay. That's enough. That's hard enough."
1: And I think the only other thing, really, is just an enormous uh, thank you for being with us and and for coming as we knew you would do with yourself and your
2: unpredictable choice. (laughs) Well, I, you know, as much as I love poetry, uh, I I find that I either have to be really strong or really a little bit broken to read poetry. I find Mm. it's a big deal. It's hard, right, to Mm. let it in. And so I'm grateful to you for kind of compelling me to pull this out again and read it and let it work in me, um, which is not easy, but is, is redemptive. Um, and I, I love the conversation. I love all the, I love all the places we went, and I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful for your work out there, too.
0: Christian Wyman, Good Lord, the light. Good morning, misery. Goodbye, belief. Good lord, the light, cutting across the lake, So long gone to ice. There is an under, always, Through which things still move, Breathe, and have their being. Quick coals and crimsons, No one need see to see. Good night, knowledge. Goodbye, beyond. Good God, the winter one must wander one's own soul to be.
1: So that was Michael with the gift reading there of... Good Lord the Light by Christian Wyman and our enormous thanks to Krista for that conversation and indeed to Christian for his permission to use the poem and share it with you. You mentioned, Michael, at the beginning of the conversation with Krista about On Beings um, being one of the the early podcasts that you listened to and... um, I'm also aware of the many things that we've been introduced to by On Being. And one of them is also the fabulous poet and podcast host Podrigo Tuma, who we had the great joy of speaking to last year. So just aware that people might want to head to that episode of the Poetry Exchange to hear him.
0: Absolutely, Fee. Uh, What was the the name of, of the poem he brought us?
1: A Recovered Memory of Water by Nulani Honnell.
0: That's it. Yeah, quite a poem that was. And if you'd like, we, uh, he also hosts a poetry podcast called Poetry Unbound, which I believe is part of the On Being family. We'll include a link in the description. Listening back to that conversation, it, I found it really interesting that Krista picked a poem sort of specifically for the time we're in, if you like. Mm,
1: Very interesting. I don't know
0: if we've had that before, have we? I'm
1: not sure we have, Michael. I think there's been times when people have brought a poem that has kind of resonated with the time that we're in and certainly during lockdown, I think very often the poems have come uh, as a result of people seeking a particular kind of company in that time. But nothing that's been quite so... Uh, chosen with such a specific sense of its usefulness to a historic moment, which in a sense is exactly where we are. And I was thinking, listening back, how wonderful it is that we have the nourishment of this poem itself and Krista's phenomenal insights to keep close to us as we really grapple with this incredibly difficult challenge of stepping forward into something unknown and new where we really have the opportunity not to make the mistakes of the past.
0: That's about all we've got time for this month. We really hope you've enjoyed listening to that conversation. We'll be back with you next month with more Poems as Friends. Until then, thank you for listening.